Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 347 of the Drunk Dashers Podcast. I'm your host, as always, I'm Tyler, and joining me, we have the man, the myth, the legend himself, Sir Colonel Gable. What's up, buddy? Hey, well, that special time has come every once every, what, decade now? But yeah. uh, this whole game of the decade stuff from 2010 onwards to 2019. Yes. <laughs> it's finally yeah. here, and I'm excited to share my list. <laughs> yeah same as these uh do you uh do you hate your list as almost as much as i do to be perfectly honest with you i don't necessarily hate <laughs> i don't necessarily hate my list because all 10 games that i got on here are pretty fucking cool but unlike our games of the generation podcast from last time i am not going to go through 40 fucking like uh honorable, honorable mentions because <laughs> <laughs> as soon as i hit the 10th one all of a sudden i just hear gross I'm like oh god here we go is he going in alphabetical order <laughs> it's still in the bees <laughs> just you and josh just listening on as i'm just doing this like okay and there's enslaved and there's batman <laughs> And there's Marvel vs. Capcom. And there's this. <laughs> now, bear in mind, people who are listening right now, I'm quoting, like, a podcast episode that we recorded literally, like, around the span of, like, 2013, 2014. So that is it's like... nuts to think. We've been doing this over six years now. Not a podcast, which this is... I remember that, 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 that uh, recording session vividly. Uh, I know. It was over six years ago. I know. And the funniest part about it, this June is going to be our seventh year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, end of May. Yeah, early June. Yeah, that's nuts. Yep. Yeah, so it's funny. We've done, we've done what, six? We'll be doing our seventh. Oh, no, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Yeah, so we've done six Game of the Year shows. We'll be doing our seventh one sometime here soon. Um, we've done a Game of the Generation, and now we're doing our first ever, hopefully not last ever, games of the decade for uh uh for the 2010s 2019 so uh we have uh, some some rules in place um obviously the game had a release between 2010 and 2019 um but also we're not going to let like games that were just ported over uh so a game that came out in 2008 was re-released on the ps4 or next box in 2014 um it's not going to fly a game like resident Evil 2 that came out this year that's okay. That game will fly. Um, but something like Majora's Mask 3DS, uh, something like that's not going to be okay. It's got to be a full from the ground rebuild um, kind of a situation. Um, so that's kind of where we're at with, with, um, with that. I think that's really our, our only rules we have for for this. Uh, any consoles, Switch games, Game Boy Advance, if those were still being made, games are allowed. DS games, there's no exclusions like that. Just had to be released within this decade for the first time. Um, so before we jump into anything, we you want to talk about Gables? Nope. Let's get this started. Okay. Um. So we'll actually real quick one thing. Uh, we're gonna do ten through six. We'll go back. We always do it for people that listen to us. Game of the year. We we're gonna go back and forth. Ten. Well, I'll do ten. Then he'll do ten. Then nine, okay. nine, eight, eight, and then after after six, we'll do if we have any. Uh, honorable mentions. I made a top twenty list just for everybody knows, but I'll I'll, I'll, run, I'll run through it. I'll run through it. Um. <laughs> But, uh, yeah. Um, so do you want to start with number 10 or do you want me to start, Gables? I'm going to let you start because I'm, I'm just raring to go. <laughs> okay. So number 10 for me, um, and this is actually kind of one that was uh, kind of shocked me when I was uh, put. I, 
before we actually get into that, um, what was your process of putting your list together? I do want to know that. My process of putting my list together was I went through, and first off, I listed off the games that I remembered playing through the decade, but I went through to places like Wikipedia to check out the years of when games released, found a whole slew of games that I remembered playing, but at the same time, I did not remember a whole slew of when the when they actually released, yeah. and that's how I got a whole list of like about 90, no, no, 86 games just from just doing that. And so I went and built up my list upon those 86 that I initially got on there. <laughs> yeah, that, that was kind of my thing, too, where it's like I wrote down all the ones like I kind of went with the mindset of like, OK, if I'm making a top 25 list, what would realistically be on there? Because I remember we did like our game. Uh, we, we also did a, our 30 favorite games of all time list in like 2015. Yeah, we did. Or 2016, something like that. And, it was 2016, yeah. Yeah, oh, it might be. Yeah, you're probably right. And um, I remember when I went through that, you and I both, we had like almost 100 games on our, our respective yep. list before we like, finally. Yep. Like, so I went in with that mindset, okay, I can't just write down any game I really liked or liked from the, over the decade because I'll be here all fucking night. So like I went through and I'm like, if I'm making a top 25 list, what games would I realistically argue could be in a top 25 list? And I ended up having like 43 or 44 games. So it was a little bit easier to knock it down to a, a top ten list. In the end, a top top twenty list, um, where you know I sat down, had those individual arguments, stuff like that. So this this year was, and I, I didn't keep going back to it because there's been times like usually my game of the year list, I'll sit there like the, like a few weeks before I'll even start putting the list together, and I'll sit there and go back. I'll end up spending 10, 15 hours just staring at my list and fucking with it, <laughs> having arguments in my head. I'll be sitting there at work thinking about it, sitting there like playing games. Ooh. I don't know. Maybe maybe the Spider Man is better than Celeste. You know, whatever that argument would be. And um, so this year, I I kind of just worked on the list, put it together, um, went back a couple times and tweaked it, but I didn't really keep. I didn't stare at. It. I put the book away that I wrote all my notes in, and I left it in in my uh, drawer. Like, and I went back and looked at it yet last night, um, and I kind of reconfigured it a little bit, and I haven't touched it since. So I, this is like the year I put the, probably the least amount of time into it. And I, I hate my list, but I always hate my list every year because I always like feel like something's kind of quite right there. I hate the fact that this game should be higher, but it's like I can't put them higher than these games. So um, I don't know. Like I'm always gonna hate my list, but uh, I, I don't hate it as much as the years past uh, for compared all to my right. list. But uh, all I'll right, tell you, oh, I'll tell ahead. you, I'll tell you one little quick thing though. Just uh, just a little blurb, a little knowledge and stuff. I was just looking over the games that I did put on my list. Out of all of these games, I think I have not beaten gosh at least about three of them oh wow <laughs> so a lot of the games that i got on my list right here i have technically gone through and beat them <laughs> okay uh i think of the ones you can beat uh i've beaten i've uh, beaten every single one and the one that i can't nice. beat i platinum so because just not there's no beating the game so uh, yeah i've beaten every yeah. single game on the list um, not that wasn't a rule or anything for me but it's just no it's how it ended up for me um but anyways, going on with number 10, uh, one that I really didn't think would be would crack my top 10 list when I first wrote it down. But the more I thought about it, I'm like, this has to be in the top 10. So I put it at 10 because I feel like that was appropriate. Rocket League. Uh-huh. Rocket League. Yeah. Wow. So I wrote, I wrote down the years, too, when it came out. So Rocket League 2015. It fucking, we've talked about it a million times. A PS Plus game that came out in the summer of 2015 and has really taken over um, I mean, because I think we're probably going to do a Game of the Generation podcast sometime in the next 
12 to 18 months too i'm assuming i kind of feel like that we will definitely be having another games of the generation yeah. podcast this so, feels like we may just do that yeah and this <laughs> game like realistically like could end up on a lot of people's uh maybe not i don't know if, how many people are gonna do top 10 lists but it's gonna be on a lot of people's list i won't be surprised if it's a lot of people's number one game and it's got a really good argument for being my number one game because uh, for a lot of people's um, because this it helped the fact that we always talk about this was a PS Plus game so instantly all of our friends had it you know and especially back in, in the early days of PS4 when there was in their early generation there wasn't really a lot to play especially multiplayer games outside of Battlefield and Call of Duty like this was like the one the fact that still just what two months ago during Extra Life I played this game again with a, with a group full of people mm-hmm. like five years four years later like <laughs> that's nuts to me. Like it's, it's a stupid. It's a stupid game where you hit it. Where you drive a car, a car, and you play soccer with it. Like, but it's it's addictive. It's fun. It's exciting. And all these years later, after I don't even know how many, probably 100, 150 hours, um, like I still have a blast playing, sitting down, having a few beers, and playing this game with my friends. And I look forward to it every year during Extra Life for sure. And even a random nights when we have a gamer night, and it's like, you guys want to play some fucking Rocket League? And we'll put on, we'll put on like talking ship Facebook page. Hey, we're playing rocket league. Want to hop on? And we're like, people are like, Hey, can I jump in? I'm like, eh, we got a full party. And it's four years later, you know, it's like, it's still have, still have that to this day. Like that's awesome. Well, at least, at least this day and stuff, we can actually go and have a, a room full of like 16 people as opposed to like yeah. uh, the whole 12. Yeah. We just, I think we had initially. Yeah. We can have eight, we have 16 in a party, but we just can't all only eight can play oh, the game. Oh, that's right. Yeah. God but bless. at least we can bullshit and we can have multiple, like, there's 10 of us we can have you know five and five or whatever but uh yep yeah um number 10 for me rocket league um yeah great game uh so what about you gables what's your number 10 my number 10 is a game that has been synonymous with gaming culture but at the same time it's one of those games where i frequently go back to and i still have a blast just exploring every little bits of it and stuff and that is the elder scrolls 5 skyrim hmm. okay well um I'll tell you what, though. When that game first released, I mean, any and everybody was talking about it. I remember people distinctly when I was going through college, they, God, college professors talking about it, like fucking some of my friends talking about, oh, man, Skyrim releases this day, you know, on the 11-11-11. That's the big old day (laughs) that we got going for it. And it's like, ever since then, I initially played through the PS3 version of it, I have it on Steam. I've played through a lot of that. I still have a fun time. Right now, I am playing through a little bit of a playthrough right now as a high elf. And I got like all my magic and all this other stuff. And I'm uh, basically going through bits and pieces of it, which I really do want to just finish off this. Like, I just started my playthrough, but I, I'm still thinking of ways how I can improve my character and this and that. But that just really tells you how fun and how like uh immersive this game world is if like not even like what like nine years almost like we're like over like close to like it's nine year anniversary and stuff and people are still playing it consecutively and regularly still to this day yeah how much of an achievement it was for bethesda to actually go through back when they were still putting out good content without sacrificing things to uh put out a game even though even though it did have its problems for PS3, I firmly admit that the whole memory stuff, if you had enough like gigabyte or whatever type big your save data was, it would delete or something on the PS3 or something if it was past a certain 
extent. But uh, the game in of itself, the fun I've had with it, man, it's just something that I personally have not forgotten, even like so many years later. You know, it was the tail end of the PS3, Xbox 360 game generation and stuff. And here I am, I'm playing Skyrim, just completing the quests, going, just defeating Alduin and stuff like that, and just going to Valhalla and have that big old epic final battle and this and that. It's like, yeah, man, it's just so much fun elements were to be had, (laughs) especially exploring the landscapes and stuff, like just defeating all the dragons and like getting all the various, like, uh, loot and plunder and stuff like that when you faced off against, like, random big giants or taking care of, like, people from, like, the, like, secret organization or something like that that's, like, inside that game. It's just... It's just a blast. Ultimately, ultimately it's, like, a freaking blast, personally. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my number 10. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's incredible, too, like, the fact that <clears throat> it came out towards the end of last generation. Here you are at the end of this generation. And it's still being played a lot. Even like today, like I was on the talking ship Facebook group and people were like posted about like, do you guys still go back to this game? Talking about Skyrim and a boatload of people were just like, yeah, like I, like I just went back to this game or all oh, every time I see a picture or a video or whatever, I go back to this game. And yeah, it's funny to think that, yeah, yeah. Almost nine years later here, it is still one of the most, probably one of the more played games, uh, this generation. Um, but my number nine, um, it, this was this was honestly the hardest spot slot for me to fill because like I, I, Rocket League had to be in there for me and there was like there's probably been five or six other games in the slot um, that uh, that obviously I had to stick with one and this one I, isn't here because it it kind of and it's funny because like the last show we just did I just kind of talked about burnout on this type of genre but uh-huh. uh, it kind of started not I don't want to say it didn't start this genre but it was kind of like to a wide audience it started one. Um, and that's Walking Dead season one from Telltale, uh, from 2012. Um, you know, for me, like it opened up a whole new world to me of gaming where, yeah, I like story games to a certain extent. Like, you know, I enjoyed them, but it's like, um, and never, a story never drove me through a game like, uh, Walking Dead season one did. And I mean, it had problems with, you know, just like with, with, um, with Skyrim where like, I remember midway uh, through episode three my save was gone. So I, and then I so I had to replay the entire uh, three episodes again to go back and play episodes four and five. Like, but that's how much I love this game. Where it's like I had it. Like I'm like I was pissed off, you know. But I was like, I, I went through it. I enjoyed it. And I replayed the game um, on this generation again um, on PS4. And I replayed season two um, right before season three came out a couple years ago. Um, and still like this day, this moment. And we're gonna spoil the shit out of some a lot of these games because. Um, a lot of these games have been out for for some up to 10 years now uh, but some have been out for multiple years but like still like when I even a couple years ago when I replayed season 1 and the part where Lee died like I was sitting there like <laughs> snot bubbles <laughs> balling like a goddamn baby I knew it was coming and my, you know saying to saying to Clementine keep your hair short like I've always said before to her like that quote always got me um, you know all these years later so um, yeah like it's it's it, 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 was a, it was a not only did it open the world uh, open up a whole new like gaming genre type to me um but it was still to this day one of the greatest stories ever told uh in gaming to me um so that's why it's uh it's my number nine uh walking dead season one what about you gables my number nine is going to be a bit of a surprise for people Mm-mm. but uh it is mass effect 2 oh shit okay <laughs> 
<laughs> so Mass Effect 2, what can I say? When the first game released, it took me a little bit of time to get used to it. I liked a lot of the RPG mechanics of the first game, but it really wasn't until the second game released that I started to get full swing into playing the game. Now, this is one of the very few games that I played last generation upon uh, the 360 and the PlayStation 3. Played them all the way through. So, with it, there was a bunch of different things I liked about Mass Effect 2. It was more action-oriented, so it's like, it wasn't like having a bunch of its heavy caveat stuff that uh, the Mass Effect 1 had, where basically you controlled your party, you would go through, like, in certain RPGs and stuff where you would assign certain characters to go into attack certain things or to shoot certain things and double-team. But uh, there was a lot of slowness and a lot of clunkiness and stuff. I remember back in the day when I played the original Mass Effect, exploring certain bits of terrains and certain worlds and stuff inside of the Mako and stuff and doing this, but... Uh, and just getting lost in stuff like randomly generated worlds that were just inserted there just for just because... But in Mass Effect 2, there was little of that. You had basically, you could exp you could go through and like mine certain plants for minerals and this and mm -hmm. of that. But uh, a lot of the best stuff inside Mass Effect 2 was a mixture of its combat style, which was a fast-paced turn-based, like fast-paced, like a third-person shooter sort of thing, where you could have your soldier element, you could make your character be like. Uh, more like biotic energy type of stuff, but uh, the character conversations, the escort missions, not escort missions, but like the loyalty missions, that's right. A lot of those loyalty missions I still remember to this day, and it's, yes. partially, the, it's partially the reason why I have an Xbox One right now is because I'm having a huge fucking craving to go back and playing games like Mass Effect and Mass Effect 2 especially, because those loyalty missions alongside a lot of the characters that were involved from... God, from like Thane, from freaking like Kasumi, like, uh, oh man, let's see, Liara, oh God, Morden, oh my God, Morden, dude, that, oh, it's wait, just wait. like, uh, even when like, you find the part where he like sings, Rex. oh my God, oh my God, and then like, uh, with Grunt and like yes. all the other, like various characters, like, especially some of the mainstays, like Garrus and like, uh, Tali and freaking, uh, Liara and stuff, where, it's just a bunch of great memories inside of Mass Effect 2 surrounded by like a whole bunch of different stuff and the whole thing with the elusive man and all of a sudden, you know, having some new characters, some new love interests in terms of uh, things like with a Miranda and stuff like that, which I'll never forget that infamous scene. It's like the first time you're introduced to her and all of a sudden you cut away, you see Commander Sipper and you just get a big old full on view of her ass. I'm like, oh, well. <laughs> Did well. Hideo Kojima make this game or something? What the hell's going on? <laughs> Well, it's like, well, I know exactly how Bioware is going to sell this game. Anyway, <laughs> long story short, the game in and of itself was so much of a good build-up and stuff. It was the imminent like, arrival of the Reapers and this and that, plus the whole stuff with the back and forth, like, renegade, like, nature of the elusive man wanting to go through against, like, say, the Citadel's orders and this and that. But, uh... It's part of the reason why it's in my top ten, and it's because it had so much of a great, like so much great elements to it that I remember still and that I still want to play through. And it, it was a real shame that we did not get any type of like remasters or yes. anything of the sort of the original trilogy on the systems. I mean, I would love to play through from Mass Effect One, Two, and Three 
on the PS4, on the Xbox One. I know it's late for that, and hopefully the next generation will have something of the sort, but those games are classics. They should not be missed upon. Hell, even though people have their caveats about Mass Effect 3, Mass Effect 3 from back then, I understand the outlash, you know, the backlash that was from that, but I still loved playing Mass Effect 3. It was my character that I had built all the way from Mass Effect 1, go through all those stories, all those issues, all those decisions that I made, all the way up to Mass Effect 3, you know, and the climatic ending and stuff with, God, you know, just great memories of the Mass Effect series from that second entry. And it's one of the few games, it is definitely one of the few games that I heard spoilers back in the day from Giant Bomb when they were doing their Game of the Year stuff. It was one of two games that I had had spoiled for me that after hearing the spoilers, I went through and I played through that game because I know it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's funny because that's what happened with me with uh, Nier Automata where like Giant Bomb spoiled the shit out of that game for me. I'm like, this sounds fantastic. And I went, that's what <laughs> propelled me to go play it. <laughs> So, yep, that was number nine for me. Mass Very, cool, two. Very cool, man. Very cool. Number eight is um, really the, the one game that kind of made 2014 not the worst year ever uh, for gaming. And it wasn't even, it was funny, it was the new consoles were out, but this game was a 360 game. And that is, well, a PS3 game as well, but I played on 360. That game is South Park Stick of Truth. Um, ah, yeah. Yes. So it, it's one of those games where it's like it's just like I didn't even like South Park's a great favorite show TV show of all time. Like I love that show. It, um, I've watched all the episodes a million times. Uh, I quote it daily. Um, it, it like from I've been watching them since I was a little child, nine ten yep. years old. And we we've gotten multiple South Park games over the years, and they weren't all they. They weren't very good. Even as even as a kid, the South Park 64 game, I recognized like this isn't a very good game. Um, it was funny going into. It, I remember the, I remember the day the game came out, and I was sitting there at work and like going coming up to him. I was like, I'm not buying that game. It's gonna be garbage. It's gonna be it's because it, it got delayed so many times, and it was like I think this one got passed through multiple developers, and like this game is gonna be garbage. It could be funny, but the game's not gonna be fun to play. Blah, blah blah, and then the game came out, and the reviews came out, and it was one of those things where the reviews didn't come out to the day the game came out. She's like, "This game oh, is yeah. definitely gonna suck." So it had all the signs that it possibly could have been a bad game. Yeah, and then it comes out, and like this, like eights, nines, nines, eights, seven point fives, eights, nines. And I'm like, I remember going. I'm like, I went to like multiple stores to go buy copies, but it's like everybody's like, "Yeah, like we didn't get a lot of pre-orders for this, but a lot of people came in today and bought it." So I'm like, there must have been a lot of people like me, where it's just like that game didn't you know there wasn't a lot of hype around it like positive hype around it and came out and blew like reviews blew people away and the play and it was just like it's something i've I've said about the game uh when it first came out it's like it's like the greatest hits of south park and for a hardcore fanboy like there's like a lot there's a lot of stuff like if you're a casual fan you know all the funny like you know the big stuff they're famous for like yeah you're gonna enjoy it there's some stuff in there but if you're a deep fan like me that gets a stupid quote from the fourth episode of season three that was never brought up again like you're gonna love like there's like there's stuff in there for you and that was like that's what made the difference for me from this game being like ah it's funny because they quoted this thing that everybody quotes from south park to like here's this thing that like this stupid one line they made 15 years ago and they're bringing it back for this this episode you know and it's just um (laughs) and on top of that like they they hit the, the story was fantastic the they, the world felt great. like the they finally put a, like made a map of the world 
of South Park or the town of South Park, I guess. And like it all made sense. And then like the game was actually fun to play. And there was actually like it it was it wasn't like the it wasn't XCOM deep or it wasn't deep like any like uh, some other um, uh, turn based fighting games. But I mean for like it was actually really well done and put together. Like it wasn't this stupid like yeah here's South Park game with some some <clears throat> stupid mash them up or here's some stupid um, you know like put the thrown together turn based fighting game like there's actually like some strategy to it and it wasn't like extremely hard unless you you fought uh, al gore um too early on and then he fucking destroys you destroyed you with his excelsior attack and then man bear oh, yeah. showed up you know it was it was yeah like it was actually a well-made game it wasn't just a wasn't a well-made episode of south park that was over 20 hours long it was like a really fun game to play that i feel like even if you're not a big fan of south park you would enjoy that game um, I 100% agree. Because yeah. that's an excellent game. Yeah. Yeah, and you, I, I went, put, went replayed it a couple years ago and they, they re released it for PS4. And it didn't really work well because it was just a port of the Steam game. And it was like some kind of, it was kind of messed up a little bit. But I mean, it went through it. I still enjoyed the fuck out of that game. Uh, and you went through and played it too, didn't you? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. My experience with the game is I absolutely loved playing through the Stick of Truth. I missed one Chimpokabon, and I was away from, like, actually unlocking the fucking Platinum for that thing, and that <laughs> kind of pissed me off as yeah. soon as that happened, because it was right before the final stage of that, the final, like, panel of that game, and mm. I could not go back. I'm like, well, I saved right here. I missed one Chimpokabon, but, uh, well, I'm going to go ahead and do that, but still, the game was fantastic. The stuff about it was really fun. I mean, the story elements of it, the whole aspects of like having different characters and stuff the whole using timmy as like a little ride and stuff to and from like little checkpoints and stuff and then like, going... <laughs> forgot about timmy <laughs> all of a sudden you just hear this timmy timmy but uh <laughs> then the parts just the hell of a funny ass parts and stuff where towards the beginning of the game you have to fight like uh these uh, neighbors of Kenny and stuff like that that are inside of his thing is either garage or something like yeah. that and they're cooking the fucking meth lab yeah. and you had to go through and fight them. Yes. <laughs> you had to fight the meth heads inside of the the freaking uh the McCormick's like a freaking garage and some shit. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. That's great. Yeah. And man that man pig that man bear pig freaking boss was no joke. I basically did that after the game because that was like one of the last major things I wanted to do. And, uh, yeah, man, I mean, he's no joke, yeah. but what's kind of hilarious, though, was, like, just eliminating Al Gore with just fucking farts and yeah. stuff, you know? It was just amazing. And what's crazy to me is, like, that game I hit the level cap on, both times I played through it, midway midway or a little more through the game, and I still did all the side quests. Like, yeah. even there was no reason for me to do them outside of, like, well, there was no reason, like, game-wise to do them, and I still went through and I... Oh, I know, right? Well, this, like, that was the first game I ever 100%ed. Was Dude, the side quests were the side quests were fucking fun in that yeah. game, especially the little minor ones like finding Jesus inside the church. So stupid. You just hear I gotta you just hear him game. just going. I know, right? You just hear him just like in the corner. All of a sudden, it's like you can hear he's laughing somewhere, and you have to move these like these uh, lights and stuff in order to see his shadow and stuff. It's like, oh, you found me. <laughs> or fighting the Mongolians. Oh. oh my god, the Mongolians up that tower and stuff, god and damn just Mongolians. and just talking to that uh, the 
this the city walk guy and stuff like that just oh if you beat up their children they think it's a bad town and they move away <laughs> well, when you go to canada that's probably the greatest experience oh my god gaming. the canada is the canada freaking oh god when you get to canada for the first time in south park stick of truth it is torn directly out of a fucking like 8-bit like <laughs> role-playing game from like the nes where it's like it's basically yeah the dire wolves and the dire bears and stuff like that and those things are fucking hard as shit too yeah they weren't they weren't jokes uh, oh my gosh and then when you get into a town it just basically is a big old overworld like a turn-based rpg <laughs> i'm like oh my god this is so funny yeah oh yeah that game is it's fantastic uh, and that is why it is my number eight game of the decade. What uh, What's yours, Gables? All right. So number eight for my game of the decade is Celeste. Ooh. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. All right. Gotcha. When it comes to games and stuff, there are there are quite a few that come along that kind of have a big of an initial impact for me. And Celeste a couple of years ago, was just that game. Going through a lot of turbulent stuff inside the personal life stuff, and then all of a sudden have a chance to play a game that just feels so soothing, so relaxing on top of, like, just breakneck platforming and doing this and that, plus going through and experiencing sort of like a character and stuff that I've never really have, like, played before with uh, the girl going through a lot of anxiety issues and a lot of, like, battles within herself in terms of the process of that game. You're going through these levels that reflect how she feels inside and it's like it is deep philosophically but at the same point you have these like warm cues or something like that it's like hey man it's okay let's go through you can still rewind it anytime you like and it just basically made you feel more comfortable in playing the game itself never mind how hard a lot of the levels were you could initially go through and just continue anytime you want you had encouraging words praising you all the way through in terms if you were like dying a lot and stuff which yeah this is the type of game the hard breakneck 2d platformer where you're gonna die a lot because you're not gonna know a lot of the various movements or how to accurately jump over things or this or that and so celeste is that type of platformer which was actually my overall game of the year a few years ago last year how 2018 2018 yeah yeah it was my game of the year for 2018, and man, I still am firmly behind that game, 100% being like uh, on the top of that list because it had so much of a good impact and so much of a good positive message, and it's definitely one of those games where you can go back and just replay and just have an absolute fun time with it on top of just feeling a sense of relaxation you know, and peace of mind, in which that's the type of game that I really look for you know in terms of just relaxing after a stressful day at work or stressful day at home or whatever you just gotta play something that's gonna take your mind off things and that definitely did a good job of that and you know in the in the grand scheme of things you know that's one of those very few games that you get a chance to play in the span of like a decade where it's that had that much of an impact just directly from so much you know but uh it's definitely one of those games where I want to go back to at some point and get go through some of the uh, other points of the levels. But uh, yeah, they, Celeste. Oh, I'm sorry, real quick though, they even released uh, Chapter Nine for free DLC. Uh, yeah. Earlier this year, so another reason to go back. 
Um, well, exactly the point. And it's one of those games which, no matter what system that I have, I want to download it onto that system and I want to play through because it's that good of a game. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's my number eight. Tyler, what's yours? Uh, my number seven. Maybe a bit of a shocker for a lot of people that have been listening to the show for a long time. It was my game of the year for 2015. So uh, mm-hmm. number eight was my game of the year for 2014. This is my number eight, uh, uh, my, number, my game of the year for 2015. Metal Gear Solid Five. <laughs> so Metal Gear Solid Five is your number seven. Yes. So this is where it started getting real <laughs> difficult for me. Able to... Now I understand <laughs> why you you were having so much of like a freaking hard time. Yeah. Um, it's it's funny because it's like this is um possibly like Kojima's best game ever made, but it, to me it's possibly one of the greatest games ever made to me. But it's also one of the most disappointing games ever made to me. Um, oh my god! Where it's like, um, what was like, oh, was it? Was it game? Was it Justin with Breath of the Wild? Justin, with, like, I Justin had that moment with Breath of the Wild because like, remember I was saying that to him, and like he's like, oh okay, but he didn't quite understand what I meant. But I'm like, this game is fantastic. It's it's beautiful. It's perfect for what it is. But it's like it's not Metal Gear Solid. But it's great in a different way. And I remember we had that. He just, he said that same thing. Um about breath of the wild i'm like this is what i was talking about just a few like two years earlier with metal gear and it's like and hopefully a lot of people understand that where like you know you want your games that you love to grow and expand but you also want them to be the same at the same time and to find that balance you know and um mail yourself i didn't quite do that and this game definitely deals with the fact that like he wasn't allowed kojima wasn't allowed to finish it um because yeah. there was a few more missions that were like half that weren't done um, that like you can watch some of the cutscenes and stuff, and some of like the art they had written down for like what was supposed to be the final missions. Um, but I mean, just from the the way they like kind of turning from like where it was, it was kind of a small corridor. Like the, like Metal Solid Three was a little more open, but it was still like you know small little areas you're in. Where Metal Solid Five turned into like a whole like multiple open worlds you can be around in and do actual like real side missions in and also with the with the main game um it was it's fantastic it's brilliant it's um possibly kojima's greatest work i still hate the fact that david Hayter wasn't the voice um yep. because uh Kiefer sutherland i thought he didn't do a bad job it's just that it felt like it was like definitely like they needed like him to do a lot more work and like either kojima like either konami wouldn't pay for it or he wouldn't go back and record more audio. So they kind of had to work around that or something. Um, but like, I don't know, just going through it and the way they just, but the way they changed it and evolved it, they mean like, it's, so, it's such a big change from what Metal Gear Solid 4 was. And to, to change it into more of an open world game and someone like me that doesn't really necessarily like open world games a lot much. Uh, if you look a lot of my top 10 games of the year list or games I, I rave and love, a good chunk of them are not, Go, uh, game uh, are not like I don't love them like there's definitely ones that you know there's always um, ones that kind of ex- break through that barrier for me um, but uh, yeah I just I love you know what they did with that and make the fact that you know, it helped that obviously Kojima made this game much like Death Stranding I'm playing through that game because Kojima made that game but the, the, the way they kind of built that and tied everything together with um, with Revolver Ocelot and with um, uh, David Emmerich and his dad, his dad, like you know, escaping from uh, uh, Snake, and then um, with uh, with oh, f- 
frack, a liquid snake. I almost forgot his name. Uh-huh. With like how they found him and like he was a clone and shit like that. Or he wasn't a clone. He's actually the son or whatever of uh, of Snake and all that. Like it just like they did such a great job of like tying all of them together into this fantastically well-made, fun, great game to play. And like they did a really great job of making it stealth. Like they upgraded. They like Kojima created the stealth genre and he brought it to like a whole new height in 2015, almost 20 years after he made it, he made that genre. And um, it was a great swan song, I think, for him with Konami. I wish we can wrap up. You know, we had better. We were able to wrap it up better. Um, but I thought, all in all, like one of the greatest games of all time to me. Even though it's the most disappointing game of all time for me as well. Um, yeah, that's my number seven. Uh, Metal Gear Solid Five. What about you, Gibbles? Uncharted Four. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Go ahead. Well. Honestly, even before going through this list and stuff, even though I categorized things pretty much on the fly and stuff, that how I felt about the stuff, it still was a long time for me to decide what the top, what my top ten was in terms of that even beforehand. But for number seven, for Uncharted Four, man, I absolutely loved the culmination of Nathan Drake's story on top of the fast-paced action that I felt was best represented inside of this game. There's a main reason why this was one of my top games. As a matter of fact, I think it was my game of the year in terms of 2017. Uh, 2016, it was. 2016. Yep. Yes, you're correct. 2016. And there's a good reason for that, because everything about this game was fantastic in my regards. The whole cinematic experience. The gameplay was quick and fluid, like an uncharted fashion. There was a satisfying conclusion to the series surrounding, like, Nathan Drake and stuff and Elena and, like, you know, they're having a child and stuff. And there was so much, like, a homage to Naughty Dog, like, say, with their, one of their first games, like Crash Bandicoot oh, being yeah. playable inside of that, which that was just so hilarious, having the first level Uncharted and stuff being playable. No, no the first level, like, Crash Bandicoot being playable Uncharted, but... uh but yeah, just the initial setups and the scenes you do in the little stealth action stuff where you're infiltrating this like this hotel or something, and uh, it's just you, your older brother and stuff, and Sully like just going through and just like all the fake out moments like you think when Sully's dead and it's like this and that and you're outrunning like these these bad guys and stuff on the fucking boat and stuff and then like there's <laughs> there's like seeds where you're thinking you're gonna be dead and this and that. And uh, even though I haven't played the game a lot since 2016, I can tell you what, man. It's like just going through, just uh, going through and playing the game, and encountering the characters and stuff. It's like it was just a great. It was just a great time. I mean, I had a lot of fun with it. The final, the final scenes, the final battle in that game, where you had to initially go through this big old like back and forth between you and, like, one of the, the main villain and stuff and having that whole, like, nonchalant kind of, uh, like, uh, time action event and stuff like that. You know, it's like, oh, gosh. It was a little bit frustrating at first, but uh, knowing when to counter. Yeah, oh, with doing the sword battle. Little, the yeah. sword battle, yeah. That freaking sword battle was hard as hell, but at the same it time, was. it was so satisfying once you mm-hmm. killed that son of a bitch. But, uh yeah, Uncharted 4, the culmination of all the great things that Siri has had did before it, you know, with the whole epic scenes, this and that, the story of Nathan Drake finally being at an end and stuff and seeing all that. I got definitely feels 
like the kind of the same way when I first played Metal Gear Solid Four back oh, on the PlayStation yeah. Three and stuff, and the culmination of the three games that preceded it. You know, with the Metal Gear Solid One, Two, and Three, and it's like seeing a lot of the culmination of Solid Snake story. It was just so that it from that back then in two thousand eight. I loved that for Uncharted Four. I felt it was like on a different level because of how everything wrapped up so nicely in terms of the experience wise, you yeah. know, and that's why I kind of felt like it was definitely one of the top 10 games I had played of the decade. Cause it's like, it had that action movie type of experience that I have loved for years. And on top of that is like, you got another higher echelon of like, just a lot of higher echelon things in terms of exploring, collecting and stuff. And the replayability of that game is, it's pretty fucking cool, so it's definitely why it's my number seven on my top ten list of the games of the decade. Yeah, it's possibly like the greatest conclusion to a story ever for a character in just a game yeah. franchise. I, I would say, like, I, in a yeah, especially inside of a game, inside of an industry where they don't let characters and things just like uh, you know conclude. They yeah. just keep on moving on to the next game and the next game. <laughs> yeah, it's like I mean, some 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 of them do them well, some don't. A lot don't. Um, but yeah, I think like I mean, who, we're saying this now, but then watch at E3, they're gonna announce Uncharted Five for PS5 oh. with Nathan Drake coming back. Which we're we're grown about now, but when when we see Nathan Drake walk out of the shadows and into the spotlight, we're like, yeah, we're gonna be pumped for it. But uh, it could be well, but who knows. Um, probably won't happen because Last of Us. Watch it be his, just watch it be his daughter with Nathan Drake nowhere in the site, nowhere in the scene. You know what? I feel <laughs> I, I, if they bring, I hope I hope Uncharted's not dead, and they really set it up at the end of Uncharted Four with his daughter. You know, and yep. I could see that like maybe like Nathan Drake takes the solely role in the in like if they bring it makes back, sense, yeah. And then have the daughter be the the Nathan Drake. I'd be cool with that. I play the fuck out of that. For sure, um, <laughs> with Naughty Dog making it, hell yeah! Even like the the side one they made, um, uh, the next year it came out in 2017, uh, it was really really well done, and uh, it was it was great. Um, and also, fun fact for if you're listening to this in January, um, there is a Uncharted Collection is the PS Plus game for that for this month. So yes, uh, I am definitely got like the itch to go back and play. I've had the itch lately to go back and play. Um, like I was like, oh man, Last of Us Two is coming out soon. I kind of want to go back and replay that game. Uh, and yeah, now Uncharted. I'm just like, ooh, kind of want to go back and replay the Uncharted games again too. I'm, I'm, on, I'm kind of on this Naughty Dog kick right now. Uh, where I'm just like, I, once I get once I put aside these games that these new games I have, those are the things that I'm probably since I don't have anything to play until Doom, I think in March. Uh, I think that's when we that's probably what I'm doing for a little bit. So, uh, yeah. So, what was that? that was your number seven, wasn't it? Yep. Yep. Nice. God, this list gets harder, and I hate it more and more as I go. <laughs> um, number <laughs> six was my game of the year, three year, three in a row for the year of 2017. Pr- probably the greatest year in the history of video games. Um, mm. The year that Breath of the Wild was the seventh best game of the year. Uh, <laughs> so <funny laughs> to me. Justin's like, you son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, no surprise to me, actually. <laughs> yeah, like, I honestly, like, when I first when I first brought this up to you about doing this list, I'm like, uh, I'm like, oh, man, probably Horizon's going to be top three for sure. And I started writing shit down. I'm like, 
Oh no, no, it's not. It's not. It's, it's like I was like, I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna etch it in number number two here. Oh, no. Oh, well, no, 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 number three. No. Oh well, I guess number four. All right, five, all right, six is fine. Um, but yeah, this is like I mean, it's like I was just talking about with, with open world games, like with Metal Gear Solid Five. Like I don't like a lot of them, but when they're done well, I like they're different. I like them a lot. Like I love. The, the world that they, they built in this game. Like, it's so crazy the people who made Killzone made this game. Like, these I guys know, that made these uh, right. on-rails, first-person shooters, made this brilliant open-world game. In fact, it came out three days before Breath of the Wild and the Switch launch. And a lot of people, like, still, like, there's still a lot of love. Like, this is a game that should have been, like, come out and blown over by Breath of the Wild and the Switch. And the fact that, I mean, it maybe a lot of it maybe is just me personally, but even like I hear a lot of people like a lot of excitement for Horizon Zero Dawn 2. Um, and the fact that game didn't get buried um, is, is awesome. Um, just I, I love the story, the world they built with like these dinosaurs. It's like because we, we played a million games where it's like it's older time or it's a, it's a period piece or it's. Um, you know, like a Skyrim type game where there's dragons and stuff like that. And like, it's not mm-hmm. current day or it's not past, but it's something different, but we've never played it. Like, Oh, we played futuristic game where there's robots everywhere. And it's like the, you know, but you're in big cities and it's just, you know, it's like, um, just 2047 kind of shit. And this is like, this game is hundreds of years in the future. And like the world is still fucked. Like, the world is, is apocalyptic. And you're like, what happened? And with, with all these like robotic dinosaur type creatures and like going around and like they they took a lot from like uh like stealth games like like a Metal Gear Solid with like the bow and arrow and like or like a Tomb Raider but like I just I was I adored this game and like the I, I it was one of those weird like open world games where like the ones I really do like where I didn't get like uh where it wasn't just like oh man here like I just want to play through the main like or I, I want to just go off and do all these side shit for hours on end and I did that don't get me wrong but like I remember at one point I got like something happened in the in the main story where it, like it got me and I was like, I love this fucking story, and I want to know what happens. And I just went on like I did almost no story side shit because I just got hooked in that story. Like it's an actual <laughs> open world game where like most of world games you play the, the the main mission the main story is whatever. But the 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 fun of the the game is this all the all the shit you do in the world. You know, and this one is like actually this is a really well told story, and I want to know what goes on, and do all that. Keep me going. All the, like you kept finding new and new beasts like to fight all through. I remember like I put like almost fifty hours in that game, and I remember like forty something hours in, and I'm finding new creatures to fight that I've never seen before, and I'm like, okay, and like they all had their own strategy. Some of them were super easy to, to beat. Like some were like the deer, but then there was like the ones that are more like saber tooth tigers, um, like. It was so awesome, like finding, like the doing this and finding out the strategy how to beat all of these new, um, all these new robots. And then the the DLC came out, and a lot of times you get that DLC for for like, the games, and they're kind of just like some little bullshit five six hour thing if you're lucky kind of thing. And they usually aren't very good. And the Frozen Wilds came out, and I'm like, this is awesome. And I put another twenty something hours into that. Like I put, I don't know, solid. 70 hours or so into like when's all said and done with with the dlc and i was not ready for it to be over when it was over like that's how much i love that game and people are talking about like it might be a launch title for 
uh, the PS5, and I'm like, oh god, like I, I'm getting chills right now. Well, thinking what about an incentive that. that would be to buy the new PlayStation and all of a sudden have Horizon Zero Dawn two as a starting point. Yeah, it, like <laughs> my my worst case scenario is Horizon Zero Dawn two and Hellblade two are the respective launch titles for the new consoles because <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I'm gonna do, Gables. <laughs> I could just see you right in the middle of freaking Walmart. And all of a sudden, it's like not Walmart, but like see you right in the middle of like a freaking retailer going through your girl friends right beside you and you're just looking past right there it's like yeah. i'm gonna look at her and i'm like can you google how to play games while homeless because that's what's gonna happen because we're not paying rent this this month honey <laughs> but it's like we're gonna have to buy extension cords and an xbox series x and a ps5 because that's what we're doing yeah. oh my god yeah so uh yeah my, my number six horizon zero Dawn, uh 2017 uh is when it came out so uh yeah what about you gables the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. What? I thought this was your number one. I really did. I thought this was one. Gables, this is fantastic. Well, You've seen the light. It's not number one. It's number, it should be number, if it was number seven, it would be even better, but go on. Well, for you, yeah, probably. It's funny, that, well, for, I'm sorry, real quick though, it's funny that my game of the year for 2017 and your game of the year for 2017 are both number six. I know, right? It's so hilarious that way. It's Actually, like, I didn't think about that until right after you said that. It's like when Metal Gear Solid 4 was both our number fours on Game of the Generation. <laughs> I'm so, honestly, I had just forgotten about that, but that's hilarious. Yeah, but I'm sorry, I keep interrupting. Go on. But uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, this ties mostly within my experience when I first got my Nintendo Switch. Because I had to wait a good solid month after the release in order to try to find and track down that system. And then finally I get that call. I was in the middle of playing Gears 2. I dropped playing Gears 2. And I fucking went <laughs> to Walmart. And I got fucking my Nintendo Switch that I had saved my income tax money for. A memory card and a copy of Breath of the Wild. And I spent a full month playing fucking The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. And I enjoyed every fucking minute of it. <laughs> the first time I powered on the game got out of that temple and i was just my jaw dropped at how beautiful the fucking scenery looked that was just one of those experiences that was my opening impression of breath of the wild the second thing that i remember most about this game is like that feeling of sense like how people played the original legend of zelda where they didn't know where to go or what to do and stuff they had a brief things oh hey what happens if i go over there and i started like experimenting you know like uh try to get to that area over there like with all these temples and stuff around you know or or one of my first experiences is when I got off of that uh, Skyloft thing for the first time after going through the tutorial portion of that and automatically being leveled by this fucking guardian or something like mm. that that basically shot me from across the map like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and then just like going through, every time that music sounded and I saw mm. one just running towards me, I fucking darted and I went through and I was just like, I was basically made it a priority first thing i had to do is just go and try to find the central points to highlight the freaking map and that's part of the awesomeness of playing through breath of the wild and a lot of my joy was even though this game was fucking hard as balls and stuff the game was fucking it did not hold your hand at all you had to go through and manually explore everything you didn't know what was going to be around every corner it was like one of those type of Zelda experiences that we hadn't had in like quite a long time at least not since like the whole feel of the original legend of zelda and it's like it was like a freaking open world game where you did not know where everything was at. You had to go through and experiment with stuff, collecting all sorts of various armor and things like that. 
And to my credit, I didn't know this until after you told me, after I beat this game, but you could theoretically use those freaking little Korok seeds mm. or whatever the hell that you did yeah. in order to invest in inventory slots in my damn thing. And I did not do a single one of that. I had went the opposite direction before facing off against, before finding that dude that <laughs> actually allows you to use that. Because if I would have stayed on the path, I would have met him. But no. Me, being the ever-so-knucklehead that loves to explore, went and did everything else and just had to experiment with the encumbrance and everything else. I mean, hell, it was a tedious experience, but I, at least I used my weapons instead of having them sit for the whole entire duration of my fucking 80-hour playthrough. But, uh, oh my gosh, the whole stuff with uh, discovering the new villages... Faced off because those those uh, Shika like a sat no those mm. like Yaga clan yeah. assassination people and then going through and faced off against Ganon and actually going through and traveling through his castle and all that stuff that was hard as balls but it was fucking fun as shit especially when you get those mechanical arrows and stuff the last tenure of that game and I literally had at one point a map that I was going through and trying to find those temples oh yeah because oh man. Not just that, but I have I have good memories of, like, you know those four separate temples and all those mechanical machines that you're supposed to have before you face off against Ganon? Yeah. Well, basically, I... This... <laughs> oh, fuck. And this is... Uh, and, you know, what's kind of hilarious about that? I went and I faced the hardest one first oh. before all of them. So I had the freaking Thunderblight Ganon as the first one, and then all of a sudden I go forth... And I finish off his one, and I was just going simultaneously in the opposite direction than what you did, because that's exactly how much of a massacist I was playing this game. And it was just excellent. It was so fucking fun. It was quintessentially that type of Legend of Zelda experience that I've always wanted to have. But yet, when I think about it, it kind of makes me have sort of a post-traumatic stress disorder, like a PTSD sort of moment, because now if I go back to that game... And I'm going to play a new game eventually on it sooner or later. And I go through and I get that feel. All of a sudden I hear that. Dun, 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 and oh, I'm just going to look over and like, oh, no. So good. Yes. Oh, my God. That f- oh, my God. There's a guardian somewhere. Oh. oh, do I have a wooden shield? Well, at least right now I can at least uh, win at the last moment. I can dodge it with like a one. <laughs> Here's the thing. I end up finding out later, if you use that wooden shield just right, where that damn thing shoots a laser at you, you can actually reflect it back, but it's only a one-use thing, and you can actually destroy the damn thing. (laughs) But uh, towards the end of the game, while I was just wasting those stupid guardians, just like going, oh, oh, there's another one. Well, come back here, you son of a bitch. I'm going to take you out for the earlier game. And all of a sudden, it's like I'm just just laying waste to about 10 or 15 fucking guardians of fighting across the map. That was the best feeling in the world. Yeah. When you got closer to Gan's castle, and you're just like, I'm just going to fucking destroy all of you, and you do it. Oh, so good. I, I give that but, game a lot of shit, yeah. mostly the troll, Justin. Um, but, like, that game was really good. It's fantastic. It's really, I mean, I, like, people that consider it, like, one of the greatest games of all time, like, I ain't going to argue with you at all, because it's there. Like, there, I mean, there's a lot of things that frustrate me about the game I don't like about that game. But, yeah, yeah. It, like, the, the parts that hit, hit, and... God damn! When you when you talk about the when you start doing the da 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 da, like ah, oh, I I just got like that fucking like nerd chill all the way down my spine because like I remember like Justin and I went and saw the Zelda concert um like two years ago, year and a half ago, and they do the they do the music the 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 key when like you when you leave uh, the temple for the yeah. first time the resurrection mm-hmm. temple and my eyes immediately welted up and there was these two girls next to me 
and they just started as soon as that hit they started bawling their eyes out and i'm just like oh, oh jesus fucking christ yeah but oh man like oh, that was that, that game was the shit and and uh, believe it or not, this is only my number six on my list. Yeah, that's nuts. <laughs> and what's what's uh, it's, to this day, over two years later, what like I still love when I see people like retweet like crazy Breath of the Wild moments, like they'll have like little fifteen twenty second clips of like stupid shit they do, and I'm like, how did you figure this is fucking nuts? How did the people figure this shit out? Like they shoot themselves all the way to the top of the map, like all the way in the sky, and like. Or shoot themselves like with like three moves all the way from one in the map to the other, like that. That's blows my mind. That <laughs> like, I know to this people day, are still finding awesome things to this game, and it's almost getting upon like the uh, six and a half mark. Three years later, that game, yeah, almost three years later, yeah. man. Since that game released, and people are still finding fun stuff to do in it. Yeah, March third uh, will be three years. Oh yeah, it's crazy to think. Uh, the second best game to come out that week, other than February 28th when Horizon Zero Dawn came out. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> kind of funny how during that same time, it's like you had yours in terms of Horizon Zero Dawn, your number one for that year, and my number one for that year, Breath yeah. of the Wild, about a week from each other, and we yeah. both finished it on the same day, which was my birthday. That was right! But- I remember that! <laughs> It's fucking awesome! We beat it. I get this fucking, I get this fucking like random tweet from you. It's like, hey, look, man, I, I think I may just about to beat this game, and I beat it like an hour before yeah. you did. I posted like, I posted it when they go to the end, and I'm like, I finally beat Breath of the Wild. And you're like, yeah, I just beat it like 45 minutes ago. I'm like, are you fucking serious, dude? <laughs> and then what was it Mike Sutton from Talk Ship? He's like, I swear yep. you guys are the same person. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great! That was fucking oh funny. Oh my god, that's funny. That's great. I, I love. It's, I forgot Mike said that. That was actually amazing. Yeah, and I remember like way in advance. I bought one because I got the switch the day it came out, and I remember I took the day the Monday after because it came out on Friday. I took the Monday after um, the switch came out because I had to work that Saturday, and I was pissed. Yep. But I'm like, I'm gonna sit at home because I never. I was I was working like seventy something hours a week that time. I'm like, I'm gonna sit at home. I'm going to play the fucking Switch all goddamn day. And I ended up instead just playing fucking Horizon Zero Dawn for like 14 hours. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah, but uh, that, that was just it popped my head. It's funny going back, reminiscing, like all these things popping in your head. Oh, and God. like, that was, a, that was a crazy fucking week, Gables. That was a crazy yeah, week. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, that was awesome. Um. Okay, so we've both done our top, uh, top 10, or top, uh, 6 through 10, respectively. Um, so at this point... um. We'll do. I'm gonna run through real fast uh, for a quick reminder. Uh, I, yeah, quick reminder. We'll do our ten through six. I'm gonna run through real fast. So Gables, for your ten through six, you had um, ten was Skyrim from 2011. Uh, nine was 2010's Mass Effect Two. Eight was 2018's Celeste. S- uh, seven was 2016's uh, Uncharted Four, and six was 2017's Breath of the Wild. Um, mm-hmm. My number ten was 2015's Rocket League. Nine was 2012's Walking Dead: Telltale Season One. Uh, eight was 2014's South Park Stick of Truth. Uh, seven was 2015 Metal Gear Solid Five, and six was 2017's Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, and then, um... hey guys, this is Tyler. So thank you guys so much for listening to us on part one of our Game of the Decade show. Uh, really appreciate you guys doing that. Uh, we will be back next week with part two, going through our honorable mentions, and then also five through one. So thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you again next week.